Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. One of the greatest people in Scripture is one of my absolute favorites. So much of a favorite if you've read my book. How many read my book? If you hadn't read my book, you can get one in the back. And by the way, by the way, I will say this too. People have been asking me about this. What's the deal on the video? Why have we not seen the video? Because of the pandemic and everything that went on, we just made a decision to get through. Uh, everything is looking like uh, in the next couple months, we're about to start promoting the video. We're about to start promoting the book. We're going to relaunch the book. So y'all help me pray about that. So 2021 and 22, the rest of 21 and into 22, we're going to treat it just like the book was released for the first time. So all those that have helped, that have read it, now you can help us as we begin to share this and get the message out because we're going to touch as many people's lives as we can. And I said that because I want to tell you is I love this man so much that I had a whole chapter in and referred to him on multiple occasions throughout my book. And that is Samson. I love me some Samson, y'all. Samson is an incredible story. It's powerful. It's tragic. It's ultimately victorious. It's complicated. I like Samson because he's complicated. I can relate because I'm complicated. Come on, y'all hearing me. Samson is he's not just about his hair getting cut. You need to know the rest of the story of Samson. Let's start off. Y'all ready? Here we go. Here we go. Come on. I got to get myself pumped up. Here we go. 11-16. 11-16. Here we go. I can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Judges chapter 13 verse 2 says, Now there was a certain man from Zorah, the family of the Danites, Danites being the tribe of Dan, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. You need to underline that in your Bible. Was barren and had no children. And the angel Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now therefore please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin. Everybody say begin. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Oh, my God, I could preach right now for another hour just on that right there. Because what you got to get is this. He spoke, the, the angel of the Lord spoke to Samson's mama. And I want you to understand something. He made a point to declare he was fully aware that she was barren and had not conceived the child. That word barren in the Old Testament means basically not just that you have not had a child, that you cannot have a child. Are y'all with me? So there's no way in the natural for you to have a child. She is one of seven women. And I love that it's seven because seven is the number of the Holy Ghost. She is one of seven women throughout Scripture in the Old and New Testament whose sons that came forth from their barren wombs changed the world. In fact, the prophet said, blessed are the barren. Huh? Blessed are the barren. Not blessed are those 
that cannot have children in the natural. It's not what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that, that when you have faith, God can, of course, touch the barren womb. How many knows we believe, we prayed for people, and if you're struggling with that right now, we declare in the name of Jesus, there is a spirit of Holy Ghost fertility flowing through here right now. Some of y'all rebuking me right now. I understand that. Like, like my wife. Huh? How many of y'all done had y'all's feel and you're like, okay, I don't need no more. Praise the Lord. Amen. But for those that are trying to have a child, can we just stop right now? Can we just stop right now and pray and believe God that God can open their womb the way he opened Samson's mama's womb? Father, in the name of Jesus, some of them are known, many are not even known that they're trying to have children and they're struggling. I pray right now that the wombs are unleashed right now, God. And we're about to see some babies being born out of barren wombs. I don't even want to call you wound barren. That ain't what I meant. Tried wounds. All right. It's just amazing. It's almost like the reason it says blessed over the barren is because many times when you are struggling with not, I'm speaking spiritually now, not physically, spiritually. When you are struggling and you're in a place of spiritual barrenness and you feel like you're not giving birth to the thing that you really think you need, if you are, will humble yourself in that place of brokenness, you will begin to give birth to spiritual children. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Spiritual people that God wants you to mentor. Many times we're so focused on our own wants and desires in our little circle and around that we miss the many children, the many blessings, the many things that God wants to impregnate us with. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So you need an encounter with God. That ain't what I'm preaching today, but I thought it was a little nugget I could give you that the angel said, indeed, before you even try to tell me this, I already know you are barren and have borne no children. But you are going to conceive and bear a son. Now, I want you to get something here. Because in order to find, know the rest of Samson's story, you got to really get Samson's mama and daddy's story. Because how many knows all of us, good, bad, and ugly, our stories are somehow tied to those that brought us into this world? Huh? Some of y'all, you always well, not mine because I, I don't even know who they are, my mama or my daddy. They, they abandoned me. I was adopted by them. I have no idea. No, but the fact that you're saying that, tells me that mentally you're still bound to them. Like I said, good, bad, and ugly, okay? I'm not saying you ever got to meet them. I'm just saying the thought of them hurting you, giving, giving you life. Your parents define so much in your life, and the lack of parents in your life defines so much in your life. Are you hearing me? So this is why I'm going to tell you that. He says to her, not to the baby, to her. Now, therefore, be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. In other words, I need you to do the right thing now so that what I want to birth in you. Oh, come on, somebody. You don't do something stupid to stop the process. 
I need you to begin to prepare yourself because your, your home is going to be the environment in which this child is being birthed into. So you need to start acting as if he is already here. Oh, I thought I'd get a better shout than that. See, the Bible says to call those things that are not as though they were. Some of y'all are waiting to hold your blessing, but God is waiting on you to start acting like the blessing is already growing within you. You want your baby not to love wine? Stop drinking wine. Because your baby going to come out going, little tidy. For the body. Now I'm not preaching against that. I ain't preaching against drinking a glass of wine. I'm just trying to tell you. Mama, what you put in your mouth goes in him or her. Huh? So, start preparing him for the Nazarite vow. The Nazarite vow was a threefold vow. That when someone took the Nazarite vow, walked in the Nazarite vow, they could not drink strong drink. They could not touch the dead. And they could not cut their hair. These were all covenants and signs of sacrifices that they would do. That when people would see them interacting that way, they would know that they were Taking the Nazarite vow. Now, is it interesting that Jesus is known as Jesus of Nazareth was an alley, basically a slum on the outskirts of, of uh, Jerusalem that was made up of families who had taken or had come from families who had taken the Nazarite vow. So, Somewhere down the line, someone probably in Samson's line was in that city. Naz I mean, that slum, that little area, that little town called Nazareth. But people looked down on those at that, by that time when you got to it because they're like, well, they're no fun. They don't drink. Huh? They never come to the funerals. My God, at least they could come and pay their last respects. Well, they're not supposed to. And them long-haired hippies, come on. You ain't heard that in a long time, have you? Remember that, remember that from the 70s and 80s? Well, I'm watch him. I, 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 that guy right there, I don't know about him. He's one of them long-haired hippies. Y'all remember that uh, classic um, Bob Seger song where he talks about going in the restaurant? The same old cliche, is that a woman or a man? How I many knows that cliche is taking on a whole new meaning now? <clears throat> I'll drink to that. All right. I'm going to read scripture. Here we go. Just a minute. Not right now. Samson, when he was born... He grew up to become and was appointed by God as a judge of Israel. Before they had kings, they had judges. And they would be the ultimate authority. So here is this man that's known for the story of the cutting of the hair and, and you know, Delilah. You can't think of Samson without Delilah, right? 
But there's so much more that happened before Delilah. He was a judge of Israel. But from birth and all the way through his life, he was driven basically by two emotions. And, and, and there was a, a sense of entitlement and an anger. He was insecure in his power. So he was always trying to do things to cause people to recognize that he is Samson. At one point, the Bible says that he went into the enemy's camp and he pursued a woman who worshipped a false god. This was pre-Delilah. Nobody ever preaches the part of when he went in and met this woman who was a worshiper of a false god in, in, in the Philistine territory and agreed to marry her against the wishes of his father and his mother and the house that they had dedicated to him, teaching him his whole life. This is what the angel told me, that you're going to be a Nazarite and you're going to deliver, you're going to begin to deliver the people of Israel from the clutches of the Philistines. But instead of doing that, he goes in and finds a Philistine prostitute and decides to marry her. How about this one? Hey, you'd probably be angry on this too. Now, that was a mistake. He goes away to, to, to get ready for some things, comes back to the wedding. When he gets to the wedding, he finds out that the father of the bride had already given her away. And at his own wedding, he, she, he used the budget that was prepared for Samson's wedding and married his daughter off to his best man. That's in your Bible. Nobody ever preaches that. So he gets mad and just goes and kills a bunch of people. How huh, y'all hear me? That sounds like a Jerry Springer episode. Is he even still on? Does he have a show? I don't know. Thankfully that nobody knows in this church. Praise God. Y'all not watching. One point in his life, he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. He literally picked the jawbone up, didn't have a sword or nothing. And that, that's got to be brutal. That is a brutal killing of a thousand men beat to death with the jawbone of a donkey. He gets through, he kills a thousand men, just throws it down, goes home. And guess what he does? This is the thing that blows my mind that nobody preaches about. When he goes back home, the Bible has one sentence, one sentence that nobody ever preaches. And it says this, and he judged faithfully for 20 years. For 20 years, after doing all that stupid stuff, he finally got his head straight. And for 20 years, he served God faithfully. You never hear that part of Samson's story. 20 years is what your Bible says. He judged everything that went before him. And the Bible gives no incidents of him killing, doing anything stupid for 20 years. And now, for the rest of the story. 
This blows my mind. For 20 years, faithfulness. 20 years he was at church every Sunday. Can I just tell it that way? 20 years he sang in the praise team. 20 years he worked on the sound stage. 20 years he parked cars. 20 years he went and visited people in the hospital. 20 years, man. He was, a, he was an upstanding, faithful servant of the community. But there was stuff going on inside the head of Samson that nobody knew. How many knows just because everybody looks like they got it together don't mean they got it together? Just because ain't nobody done nothing stupid don't mean they ain't about to do something stupid. I know that ain't proper English, but that sounded a lot better to say it that way. Huh? Sometimes, especially nowadays, it's even easier so much easier to hide secret battles. You'd be surprised. I used to say it this way. You'd be surprised how many men in the church, and I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot between you and God. I don't have any idea who I'm talking about, if I am talking about anybody. But I would say you might be surprised how many men in this church service right now that are in this building right now that are struggling with an addiction to pornography. That are looking at pornography on the, on the internet. After everybody goes to bed or after they're in their room by themselves and everybody thinks they're reading the news, it's so easy to click. But now I have to change it to this. You might be surprised how many men and women in this room who are addicted to pornography. Because what we're running into is now more women. This is, this is, this is the statistics I'm reading. More women are looking at pornography now per capita than men in some instances. Am I, am I telling it? Nobody talks about that. And it, but that's, the, I'm just trying to give you an example. Hidden things that we've got good at hiding. And it looks like everything's good. But for 20 years, he served faithfully. But nobody knew what was going on inside the real Samson. He looked like he was free. But his heart and his mind would not stop thinking about those beautiful women in, Phil in the Philistine area in Gaza. He'd fight it. He'd battle it. But how many of those, when you're, when you're a person of authority, oh, I'm going to preach right now. When you're a person of influence, it is difficult for you to talk about your struggles. Because the people that you are leading and influencing, they don't want to know that you're struggling. Because if you ain't got it together, there ain't no hope for them. That's what they think. So they need you to be perfect. That's why so many pastors fall. Can I preach a little bit? Because people just expect the pastor to be perfect, to be flawless, to not ever struggle with anything. And when he finally messes up or does something, maybe even says one little sentence that don't sit well, where you would just laugh it off if anybody else said it, you will call 20 people and tell them what you heard pastors say. Because you can't believe it. So when, it's one thing to pastor a few hundred people. It's another thing to judge and be the ultimate authority of God's chosen people. 
on top of the fact that before you was ever born, every day in the womb of your mama, you were spoken the words that an angel had declared your entry into this world and that you were the deliverer of the nation from the hand of the Philistine. The very ones that he was supposed to set them free from, he could not get set free himself. That's why he struggled with the Philistines' hold because he could not set the, Phil- the p- people of God away uh, set free from the Philistines until he got free. So he played the part. Samson played the part. Are y'all still with me? For 20 years without incidents. This blows my mind. I'm, 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 the reason I'm not reading these scriptures, this is multiple chapters that you need to read in the book of Judges. You need to go back and read the whole story of Samson. Don't just read about Samson to lie. Read from his birth and go all the way through it. Blow your mind. The Bible says he served the Lord faithfully for 20 years. And then one day he just gets up. This is in your Bible. And just walks away from the throne. Disrobes of all the garb. And just takes off on foot and starts walking to Gaza. Now Gaza is not from here to Pinson City Hall. Gaza is 25 miles. I have a chapter in my book where I talk about when you break that down, that's 52,800 steps estimated for the average man. 52,800 steps is the estimate of a 25-mile journey. 52,800 decisions, choices, 52,800 choices to keep going towards your destruction or turning around. Let me tell you something about my God. On 52,799, God was still dealing with Samson. He was standing at the city limits. One more step, he's in enemy territory. How many knows that's an Old Testament? How much better of a new covenant we got? I'll tell you right now, I'm not condoning what you've done, but no matter what you've done, if you're still breathing, I don't care if you're on the 52,800 step or the 5,200,800 step. I'm telling you, if you'll just stop... And just come to yourself and realize, I can always turn around. I can always turn around. Say that out loud. I can always turn around. 52,800 steps after 20 years of faithfulness. The whole way, all the way there, he knew when I get there, I'm throwing away everything. Everything the angels said about me, everything, all the wealth, all the prestige, because I know I've done done this one time, they ain't going to follow me a second time. He made a decision to choose the way of the enemy over every good thing that God had done for them. And let me tell you something, before you judge Samson, you've done it too. Huh? So this time he finds, the first time he, the, the woman he was going to marry, he doesn't name her. 
But this time we find, he finds another Philistine that the Bible does name. Her name is what? Delilah. Delilah. How many of if you have the is anybody here named Delilah? Anybody? If you're named Delilah, are you not for the rest, all your entire life? Are, are people not always say, "Are you dating anybody named Samson?" or something like that? How many knows everybody? Named, every girl that's named Delilah probably had a dog named Samson. Just kidding. So he finds the famous Delilah, and he goes to the store. I'm giving you. I'm, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end with some scripture, but I'm trying to give you the whole story, and then I'm gonna give you the rest of the story. So he finds her, the, 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 the cliff note version of it, he falls madly in love with her. She had to be good looking because I guarantee you, he was good looking. How many knows? How many knows? You, you that muscular and all that, you're probably good looking. Amen? He probably had the choice of any woman he wanted to. But you know one thing, one thing a little nugget uh, that I want to tell you about Samson that I've always thought. Every time you see anybody depicting Samson in a movie or any kind of drawing, is he not just like the most buff person in the world you could ever see? I just have this image of Samson that he's just slightly toned. He's not big. Huh? He's not bulging. He's just, he's just slightly toned. Why? Because we, we make him so muscular because the Bible says he had such strength. But his strength didn't come from working out. His strength came from God. He, 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 he could have looked like just somebody that was actually pretty fit. You know, just jogs on the weekend or something. Don't eat a lot of little Debbies like me. I mean, he, I mean who knows? Because his, he was probably a good-looking guy, but he probably wasn't buff like a, a WWF wrestler. Amen? He probably didn't cover his entire body in baby oil and shave over hair. Oh, come on, okay, come on. It's a little weird, y'all. Guys, if you're consumed with shaving every hair off your entire body, that's a little weird. Okay. Now, so he falls. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> he falls in love with her. And how many knows me? And let's just be real. When you fall in love with somebody, you're going to say some stuff. And you're going to do some stuff that you swore you'd never do. Huh? Oh, you big and bad. Not in my house. I guarantee you right now, my woman knows exactly how this thing goes down. Mm-hmm. Then why is it every time I ask you, can you go help cut trees or cut grass or do something, you're going to reply back, well, let me check with my wife and I'll let you know. Because you know, you, you make that call on your own, and she doesn't plan you doing something, then you got the call of shame. Because you ain't choosing me over her, I guarantee you. All right, I got to focus. So he's just, he just laying there in her lap, and she's just feeding him great. Got the, got the feather blowing on him. He, man, he's living a life. He's looking up at her and saying, baby, you know you're the most beautiful thing I ever slayed my eyes on. She looked down and strokes her long hair and said, oh, pales in comparison how beautiful you are. Oh, you are my man. You are my man. Do you understand me? You are my man. Say it again, baby. Say it again. You are my man. 
Oh, yeah. I'm your man. Baby, my man, you're so strong. You're such a strong man. You're my strong man. Am I your strong man? You're my strong man. Here's, a, here's another reason why I don't, I don't think that he was so muscular. Because she couldn't figure out how he was so strong. And it, it couldn't be that, you know, you know, we need to know your workout regime. What kind of supplements have you been taking? Are you roided up? You're my strong man. Yes, I am, baby. Just do love me. Of course I love you, Delilah. I gave up everything for you. I walked away from my family. I walked away from my throne. I walked away. Watch this. I walked away from my God for you. Have I not proven to you how much I love you? Yeah, you have. But you know what? You, you remember that time? Remember the time we were laying on the couch watching Netflix and, and you and you looked at me and, and, and I asked you a question. And I said, baby, will you ever lie to me? And you said, baby, I will never lie to you. Remember when you said that? Of course I remember that, baby. I'll never lie to you. Did, remember, when you remember when you said, baby, you looked at me and we both agreed. We'll never keep secrets from each other. Never. You remember that? No, that's one thing we ain't going to do is keep secrets. That's right, baby. Everything that's mine is yours. Everything yours is mine. We are in this together. Well, this sure is strange to me. If you ain't going to keep no secrets, you ain't never told me the source of your strength. That feels like a secret. That feels like you violated. Watch this. That feels like you violated our covenant. Now, why would the devil feel like he could use a violation of a covenant to trigger a man that had been ordained by God? Because this was a covenant breaker already. He had done been proven because the Bible already said when he found his first woman, he was drunk. So he was drinking strong wine. We already know that he touched dead bodies and dead animals. He wasn't not just supposed to touch dead people. He wasn't supposed to touch dead animals. The Bible already said he broke, he'd already broken the second vow and, and, and touched the dead. So two of the three he had already broken. There was only one. And he told himself, if I hold on to that one, I'm good. So he kept that one to himself almost to justify his actions. He, so he says, you know what, I'm just going to put her off because, you know, this ain't no big deal. If you'll, just, if you'll bind me with seven straps, I'll, I can't break the seven straps. Okay, go to sleep, baby. Go to sleep. Love you. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Oh, you're my man. You're my, you're my strong man. Y'all get in here. Grab seven straps. Nobody stopped to think. What's so magical about seven straps? Hey, my man. Hey, my strong man. Wake up. Wake up. Show me how strong you are. I want some coffee. And he's like, what? Oh, what's these things on me? Oh, it's all good. Love you, baby. I'm still your strong man, right? Yeah. Next day. 
sleep. Well, if you want to go get some brand new ropes and tie me up, I can't, I can't, I can break. Nobody stop thinking. He can break an old rope. He can break, he can break a, a, a rope been used forever. Still a good solid rope. But if it's a brand new rope, he can't break it. How many of the devil's stupid? The devil will take any chance he can. So he binds them with new ropes, snaps the new ropes. Then you see him getting closer to the full breaking of the Nazarite vow because he realizes, okay, I'm going to tell you a partial truth. I'm not going to tell you the full truth. It's my hair. If you will braid my hair, my hair's never been braided. And it's weird for me to think about Samson with braided hair, but if he said, if you braid my hair, I won't be able to break it. So now watch this. You're going to tell me, this is just gospel according to Larry. This is the way my mind works. You're going to tell me that Samson was sleeping so hard that he didn't feel somebody tugging on his head, braiding his hair. As long as it was, you're going to tell me? No, no. Samson, I'm going to tell you my opinion, was awake for all of them. Playing along, thinking, I can teeter right up to this edge all day long, and I'm still God's chosen. Are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you right now, I got my eyes just barely open. I look like I, I can't see what I'm doing. But I know what I'm doing. I know my foot's almost Are y'all hearing me? Playing alone, eyes open, tugging his head. She's like, man, he sleeps sound. I mean, head jerking all over the place. He got his eyes open. What are you doing to me, woman? She finishes it. She looks, she looks at him. He goes, pretending. Y'all, come on, come on. Got it. This is it, this is it. Now, why did she get so angry? Ooh, I'm about to tell y'all something that y'all don't ever think about this part. Why did she get so angry? She was angry before, but the Bible says she was done at that point. When he broke the bondages again with his hair braided, and she realized that wasn't because she could see in his eyes that she was tapping on the truth. She knew he looked differently when he said that about his hair than he did about the new ropes and the straps. The devil, it's just like when that serpent look, looked at Eve and him. Every day he had been trying to get her to, to do something. Every day, every day. And she kept saying what God told her to say. And, but then one day she added one word, one phrase. He told us we could not eat it nor touch it. And or we will die. And when he heard nor touch it, he knew. Because the devil knows God's word better than we know God's word. He knew that ain't what God said. He knew he had an opening. He knew he was close. She pulled the wife car. She pulled the woman car. She got up and she said, I'm going to tell you something. Can I be real with y'all? Let me tell you how it went down. Oh, y'all ain't going to know how to handle this. This is how it went down. She stood back at the door and she said, let me tell you one thing right now. If you think you're going to get any of this ever again. Am I preaching? You better know right now. You, you, 
Oh, yeah, I know you like this. You think you're going to get any of this again? You ain't playing that game. We know you better tell me the truth or you better go find you something else. Let me tell you something. Samson had chosen the flesh over the spirit. And he saw that look in her eyes. He goes, all right. I'll tell you the truth. You can't cut my hair. I lose my strength. Now I'm going to tell you something. He laid there. What did she do? You better know she knew that she had hit the truth. So she fed him. She knew that he had just finalized breaking the Nazarite vow. So she knew that none of the other part of that vow meant anything to him anymore, if it ever did. So it was nothing for her to just literally dump tons of alcohol in his body. She had him. He was probably drunk out of his mind. He laid there, and they shaved his head. He jumped up. Now, are you saying, Pastor, that if you thought he was awake for the other three, was he awake for that one? Gospel according to Larry, I think he was. Because at that point, he had convinced himself he was invincible. Because he done broke the other two of the three. He was taught that if you break any of the three, you've broke the vow. He'd already broke two of the three, but he would still be able to break anything. He was killing people with jawbones of donkeys. He was picking up entire gates of the cities and taking them up on the mountain and shoving them into the ground. He was doing everything he'd ever done, breaking two of the three. He had convinced himself, that stupid vow thing that I've heard all my life is silly. My strength has nothing to do with my hair. My strength has everything to do with the fact that I am who I am. Nothing has ever killed me or stopped me before, and nothing will now. So shave my head, do what you want to do. I've made my choices. But when he broke that third bow and he jumped up, they had a little tiny piece of rope around his hands, and Samson the mighty could not break it. I'm telling you something right now. The last few minutes I got, we are like Samson. We have been chosen. We have been given favor. We have been given great power. But we have allowed the devil over time to chip away at our power. We have bought into the trap of inward focus. The church has bought into the trap of inward focus. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the church is as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago? Do you think the church was as powerful as it was a hundred years ago? Let me tell you something. A hundred years ago was when the Azusa Revival broke out. An African-American man, one-eyed man named Willie Seymour, son of a freed slave, got filled with the Holy Ghost, started meeting in a house. People started being filled with the Holy Ghost. White and black folks started having church together. A hundred years ago, I'm going to tell you, the answer's always been there. The answer's never been uh, some kind of uh, problem 
politician being the right politician in the office because I got news for you. Just about all of them on both sides don't care a hill of beans about any of you. The answer is in the one that made us. The answer is the one that made us white, made us black, made us brown, made us Asian, made us yellow, whatever color skin we are. Let me tell you something. He made us just the way he is. He didn't make a mistake. My God, are y'all hearing me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Susan Street Revival exploded. It birthed uh, what this kind of church service we're having today. We can only have it because of what happened oh, in California of all places. Listen to the words of one person from the community that was a resident that lived down from North Bonnie Bray. 216 North Bonnie Bray was the house where they met. I want to read it to you. She said this. At our witness, they shouted. Listen to this. We can't get church folk to shout for, for 30 seconds. Watch what she said. They shouted for three days and three nights and never stopped. For three days and three nights, she said, it was the Easter season. People were coming from everywhere. By the next morning, there was no way of getting even near the house. As people came in, they would fall under God's power. This is, this is somebody that was at there a hundred years ago. They would fall under God's power. And the whole city of Azusa was stirred. And they shouted so hard that the foundation of the house collapsed and gave way. No one was hurt but they had to climb out of the crawl space and go into the streets because they had shouted and danced for three days and they broke the floor joists. Does that sound like the church that was existing over the last 12 months? Are we even the church we were 50 years ago? It was the church that brought about the civil rights movement. It was the church. It was preachers in the house of God that stood up against tyranny, that stood up against racism. That st Are y'all hearing me? Where is that church now? I'm going to tell you where that church is right now. They're laying in the lap of Delilah. Healing revivals. Five years ago. One year ago. I'm not being critical. This is not a critical statement. But you do realize there is hundreds upon hundreds of churches, maybe in the thousands, in the state of Alabama alone, let alone this nation, that have not had a church service together since the second week of March 2020. Some have said they don't know if they're ever going back. Some have said when the CDC tells us we can go back, we'll go back. You can get mad at me if you want to. This ain't got nothing to do with me wanting to make you unsafe. This is me just trying to open your eyes to tell you that one day we are going to answer before God. Huh? Not just me. 
Oh, y'all all say, yeah, you as a pastor, you're going to answer before God. By God, you're going to answer before God, too. You're going to stand before God for your family, for your life. Huh? Ain't just me. You need to find out whose lap you're in right now. You need to find out who's stroking your ego. Oh, they're telling the church, we'll give you grants if you'll do what we tell you to do. We'll give you stimulus money if we can count on you to be one of our spokesmen. Can I tell you something right now? I love my cities. We will give back to our cities. We, I, love, I got great relationships with all the mayors in this area. Oh, and I'm thankful to God. Uh, the Birmingham Prayer Breakfast is going to be back in person this year, first Thursday in May uh, at downtown Birmingham. Praise God. They called me this week. Great honor has been given to me, and I believe this is the influence that we're talking about. They've asked me to be the one that steps up and, and prays the prayer over every single mayor when they come up to the altar. We call it the altar. There's about 20-something mayors that come down and stand before the podium. They've asked me to be the one to speak over their lives and praying over their lives. Your pastor's going to be praying over every mayor of every city in the Birmingham metropolitan area. Hallelujah. I give God the glory for that. So here's my question. Don't you know all those pastors know we've been having service? They still ask us. Not that we're better than anybody else. They still ask us to pray over mayors who are making these decisions that are impacting lives on every level. But here's what's happened. Here's how we, here's what the church is today. The church has made it about themselves. We've been drinking the wine of the world. We've been touching and living among the dead. And we've allowed the enemy to cut our hair, which is our power. We're like Samson. The Bible says that when he gave in and lost his power and he realized it was over, he gave up. They put him in the job. Watch this. The very thing that he took the jawbone of and killed a thousand Philistines, they made him. The donkey was the, the mule was the animal that turned the grill stone to grind the wheat. They pulled the donkey off and they tied Samson to the donkey's reins and whipped him and made Samson become the donkey. With his eyes plucked out, was completely blind, head shaven, probably naked to shame him. He's now barely able to walk what's this here's how we call it today going through the grind every day following what we're told to do every day every day see some of y'all feel like that Samson failure I wrote this down. I'm going to say it today. A failure is an event. It's never a person. Come on, give God the praise. Failure is an event. It's never a person. You might fail. And by the way, you are going to fail. But that does not make you a failure. Stay with me. After they had mocked him, spit on him, 
they had a feast. This big giant hall. They're partying. And one of them spoke up and said, This, no, you know what will make this party even better? Go get Samson and bring him in. Tie him to those two posts right in the middle of the party. Let us throw things at him and spit on him and mock him while we eat. He's hanging there naked, in shame, beaten, bloody, dirty, nasty, completely blind. He can hear them rejoicing. He can hear all the stuff they're saying, but he can't see anything. The Bible says in verse 24 of that chapter, when the people saw him, they praised their God. Saying, quote, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land, and the one who multiplied our dead. So it happened, verse 25, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Make him perform for us. Slap him and make him dance. They called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. Can you imagine? The mightiest man ever was so lost in his mind. He's completely naked. Children, men and women all around mocking him. He's tied between these two posts and they're shouting, Dance! He's going. Everything they said. But you know, just like everything else, they got tired of him. They got tired of shouting. They just went back to eating and just left him there. And let me know sometimes, the de- most of the time, the devil is so stupid. He will keep mocking you, beating you, mocking you, beating you, mocking you, beating you, mocking you, beating you, that if he was smart at all, and he's stupid, if he was smart at all, he would know the line, I need to stop right here because if I just stop right here, he's done. I've got him. But the devil can't stop mocking God's people. And he keeps pushing us till he pushes us too far. Can I get an amen? How many knows you just finally one day just say, okay, wait a minute. I am done. You ever been there? You ever thought the devil doesn't beat you up, but he beat you up one too many times that he just didn't do something to make you mad? And the Bible said while he's hanging there, head down, not even got strength to even move, he can't see nobody. All he can hear is them just eating and feeling their bellies full. He begins to do something that he had not done since a child. He began to talk to God. Oh, my God. How many know sometimes the rest of the story is not that you laid in the lap of Delilah, not that you had your eyes poked out. Maybe the rest of the story is. I know God didn't do that to him, but sometimes remember what he said well, before she was ever even had the baby conceived in her, boom, in her womb. He shall begin 
not destroy the Philistines' home. He shall be the instrument that ignites a movement. Are you hearing me? Something's going to happen in his life. He's going to do something that's going to cause the people of God to say, well, if Samson can do that, then we need to rise up. We need to rise up. He will begin to deliver his people from the children, from the bondages of Philistines. And he, he begins to talk to God. And he says to God, oh, hallelujah. He said, "Woo!" The Bible says, now the temple was full of men and women. All the Lord of the Philistines were there. About 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. But then Samson called on the Lord. And he said these words, Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once. And it was proven to him. It was proven to Delilah, who was probably in the room. It was proven to the men that tied him up. It was proven to all the Philistines that his strength really never did rest in his hair. His strength really never did rest in not drinking wine. His strength really never did to have anything to do with touching dead bodies. It had everything to do with obedience to God. Let me tell you something. You might not have the right education. You might not have been born on the right side of the tracks in your mind. You might not think you're qualified. But your strength has nothing to do with who you are. Your strength has nothing to do with what your daddy said you were. What your mama said you were. Your strength has nothing to do with your career. Your education level. My hope, my strength comes from the Lord. He said, Lord, strengthen me one more time. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout one more time. And he pushed. He pushed. Shout push. He pushed. And the Bible said as the strength of Samson came back in that defeated looking body. Oh, the temple, the columns collapsed and the temple fell. He killed more in his death than he ever did in his life. And if you study the book of Judges, you begin to see a different mentality. God begins to raise up people in the book of Judges. The Davids are coming. Are you hearing me? The Goliaths are coming down. They had that story. The one we put all our hope in, he never gave up, even at the end. He came back to himself. The key to the rest of Samson's story was what happened at that moment. I think of the prodigal son. Y'all know that story? He lived in a family of wealth, blessings of the father. He got full of himself, didn't he? He said, I don't need you. I got this. Give me all my money. I'm going to party. He left his older brother there. And he went and he partied. He had all the friends in the world. I mean, as long as you're buying rounds, you got friends. Huh? But when the money runs out, so do the friends. When he ran out of money, they all left him. He didn't have enough money to even go through Jack's drive through He couldn't feed himself. So he had to do the one thing that was the most shameful thing for a Jewish man. According to Levitical law, he, he, all the other things that were leftovers were taken and fed to their animals. But the only thing the Jewish people left over and did not touch 
the leftovers of when the animals ate and didn't redistribute it to other animals was the pigs because they were considered to be unholy, unclean. So when the pigs got through eating out of their trough, fill their bellies and go lay back into the mud, he looks over there and he sees them sleeping and he sees a few slimy, snotty-looking whatever. Don't even know what it is left over from those nasty pigs. He has to wade himself through the mud, step over these pigs, and get down on his hands and knees just like a pig. You don't get no lower than that for a Jewish man. And he's literally just grabbing whatever it is inside that pig trough, and he's trying to stay alive. Just like Samson, he lost it all. It's the same thing that happened to Samson, happened to that man. One of the greatest lines, st statements ever said in Scripture. He's just eating. He looks, something happened. He looks down at his hand. He wipes his face. He sees what's all over his face. And the Bible says these words. And he came to himself. Oh, hallelujah. At that moment, he came to himself. What's that mean? That means he remembered who he really was. He remembered his father. He remembered his master. He remembered that even the servants never had to eat like this in his father's house. It says he came to himself. He, ride, he rose up pig slop off of him. Another translation, instead of saying he came to himself, says this. He stood up and he changed his mind. He made a decision. This will not be my end. My latter shall be greater than my former. He stands up and he ain't nobody there to hear him say it. <laughs> but him, God, and the devil and them old sloppy pigs. He stands up right in the midst of them pigs, straightens up his nasty old shirt. He said, I will go into my father's house and I will beg him to just let me serve on his staff because I know that I'm not worthy to be called his son. That's a heart of repentance. That was a brokenness. Let me tell you something, no matter where you're at right now, no matter what you're eating from, no matter what it looks like you're tied to, no matter what they're mocking you of, no matter the shame, I'm telling you, you need to come to yourself right now. You need to remember your father's house. You need to remember who you are in God. You need to change your mind. Let me tell you something, you may only have five years left, but your five years is going to be greater than the last 15. I'm telling you, your ladder shall be greater. Stand up. Ah, oh my God. Stand up. Dust yourself off. Ah, it's time to come back to the Father's house. If that's you, I want you to run to these altars right now. We ain't worried about time. If that's you, get out of that mud. Get out of that mud and come back to the Father's house right now. If you're watching online right now and that's you, let us know that that's you. These altars are open. Run, 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 run. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to die that way. Push the columns. Clean yourself off. You're going to tell me there ain't nobody in here? Let me tell you how bound up you are. I'm just being real with you. You know good and well you're supposed to be up here. 
Stop believing the lie that you're going to be able just to rip those ropes. There's going to come a time you ain't going to be able to. You're in the house of God. You still got hope. You still got hope. You need to lay some of this stuff down. You need to crush it. That ain't your destiny. That ain't your purpose. You've not been ordained by God to eat with the pigs. You ain't been ordained by God to be naked and exposed and mocked and shamed by the enemies of God. You're a warrior. You're a deliverer. You're a soldier. Come now. Because I know what you think if you don't know that story. What happened to the boy? What happened when he saw his father? Did he, did he serve on his staff? Was he killed? No, the Bible said every day his father would go out to the edge of the field and look for his son. Because in his heart, that's what he was praying every day. That's, he wasn't moved by the, that the bedroom was empty. He wasn't moved by the place in the table was empty. He called every day. He would look in that seat. He would say, he's going to sit there. She's gonna sit. She's gonna sit at the table. She's gonna sit there. Don't don't store the table. Don't store the chair. Don't give up. Don't put the table. Don't put the chair in storage. Don't. Take the robe to the thrift store. Keep the shoes. Keep the robe. Put the ring on the shelf. Shine it. Make sure you got some cows ready for a feast. Never give up. There's breath in their body. There's hope. One day he looks in the distance. He sees something. Of you walking out the edge of that field often. Look at him. See it. Is that, is that him? Is that her? Is that really her? Oh God. Oh God. I think it is. I think it is. It really is. Jim, it's my son. The Bible says he takes off running across the field. Don't tell him what's going through the boy's mind. This is it. I know the rules of my father's house. I'm dead. This is it. Grabs him. Bear hugs him. Spins him around. Kisses him on the cheek. And cries out. son that they said was dead is alive. Still had the ring in his pocket. Took the robe off his back. Put it on his son. Put the shoes on his feet. Said kill the fatted calf. Let's have a feast. My son is home. You know what? That's the rest of the story. That's it. Spends the rest of his life 
sitting in the same chair he used to sit in. They were the same name, same privileges that he had before he failed God. I know you feel like you failed God. God knows you. He knows everything you've done. I'm telling you, these altars is the place of coming to yourself. This, this house of God is a place of coming to yourself. When you change your mind, that's what repentance means, to change your mind. You change your mind and say, that's not my destiny. That's not who I am. Here's the great thing about God. He doesn't even sit down and talk to you and even ask you about what you did. It's a non-issue to him. Cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. And God said, hey, son, daughter, remember when you were serving God before you left the church? You're qualified. Start serving God again. But, 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 but Father, the people in the, the church and the people in the community know what I did. Yeah, they probably do. So do I. I don't hold it against you. And I got a feeling you're in a church or you wouldn't be staying in that church if you didn't feel like they loved you. So they're not holding it against you either. I can say that for this house. Get back in the game. Push the columns. I love God. Push the columns. You say, well, I don't want to die. Yes, you do difference between the Old and the New Testament is he died the natural. I'm preaching a spiritual message. When you push those, col those columns, those spiritual ties that you're tied to, the house is going to come down and you're going to die. But the Bible says that's what we're supposed to do in the spirit, die daily. And the, man, the old man is going to die. And in the midst of the rubble, somebody's going to come walking out a new man and a new Samson. I don't care. You can leave anytime you want to. I'm not apologizing for 1220. This is why we meet for this moment. Now, before I pray for these up here, is there anybody here it's tied to the collar. Is there anybody else that's eaten from the pig's trough? That's tired of it. Get down here now. If there's anybody up here, you're free to come down. If you're on the sound stage, you're free to come down. This is the day. You walk out of here knowing. I got a robe on my back. I got a ring on my finger. I got new shoes on my feet. God ain't through with me. I still got a job to do. Father God, right now, as I stretch my hands towards each and every person that's standing up here right now, God, you know every certain person's story. You know 
the baggage. You know the bondage. You know the chains. You know the secret sins. You know the things that they've done, the things they've said, the battles that go on in their mind. You know the accusations that have been spoken against him, the judgments that have been spoken over their lives, their personalities that, that have caused themselves to go into shells, to disqualify themselves at every turn. Every time, God, you try to call them to do something, they don't think they're worthy. They don't think that they're gifted in that place because of what they have spoken over their lives. God, today, we declare over each and every one of them, if they have repented to you, if they have come clean to you, God, the days of the pig trough are over. The days of shame are over. The days of being chained to our past, chained to our mistakes, chained to the things that have been spoken over us and declared over us from those that we love, that, that have just put us in bondage. Generational things, generational curses are being broken because we are coming to ourselves. We are changing our mind. We're going to see ourselves differently after today. In the name of Jesus, every man, every woman that's up here, I pray and declare even when they look in the mirror, they'll see a different person. They're going to get up in the morning. They're going to feel differently. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to see themselves differently now because they're going to do more for you, God. In the time they have left and they ever dreamed they could do for you, even now in times past. So I want to speak this over every man and woman that's in these altars. The real meaning of this sermon series, the real reason I named it this, is not to tell you the rest of the stories in the Bible, but to tell you the rest of their stories, to remind you, your story is not over. Oh, your story is still being written. You can't judge me by a chapter, a previous chapter of my story that you read about me. I ain't in that chapter no more. The pages have turned. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for revival. We thank you for altars being filled with people, being broken before you, God. We thank you for a church that doesn't care about going over a few minutes for the sake of eternities. We don't want to be a weak church that's laying in the lap of Delilah, telling our little secrets to the devil. We're getting out of that lap. Our provision does not come from Caesar. Our hope does not come from Caesar. Our hope and our provision comes from you, God. And we will stand with you. God bless you. I love you. Shake somebody's hand as you go. Have a great day.